and welcome to the Austin Forum Upload, where we explore pervasive and emerging technologies and their influence and impact on society. In this series, we upload direct to you information, opinions, and insights from thought leaders, experts, and creatives from Austin and beyond. They'll share their perspectives through conversations, interviews, debates, discussion, and more. I'm Jay. I'm John. And I'm Barbary. And we co-produce the Upload for the Austin Forum on Technology and Society. Welcome to this episode of the Austin Forum Upload podcast. I'm Jay Boisseau. And I'm Barbary Brunner. And we're happy to talk to you today and bring you a special guest to discuss how Austin became such a great tech city, what its challenges are, what other cities can learn from it, what we need to learn, and what the future may unfold. Uh, so we're really happy to have an expert on this topic here in Mitch Jacobson. Mitch is the director of the Austin Technology Incubator at the University of Texas at Austin a longtime tech leader and professional. And so, Mitch, welcome to the episode. Great to be here, Jay. Why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourself so they understand your perspective and context? Sure. So I started in the tech business back in the early 80s uh, in the computer business, way back when, when the personal computers were becoming personal computers. Um, uh, I'm from Philadelphia, grew up in the Tampa Bay area, went to the University of Florida, uh, actually went to Boston, which is sort of my first tech town, I guess you would call it. And in 1988, got a call from a friend who just went to work for Dell Computer. And so I came down here and interviewed with Michael and team and fell in love with this city and um, moved down in 1989 to go to work for Dell. And you've been in Austin ever since? I have. I have I've moved out twice, once for Dell, uh, ran some things in Europe for Dell to help expand Dell throughout Europe. And then when I left Dell, I actually went to work for another company outside of Austin, but uh, three years later came back because this is where I wanted to raise my kids. Great. Well, we're super happy to have you here. And we're going to start off with sort of the softball question, but it's the big picture question for this podcast, at least with respect to the past. So Austin is a great tech city now. It certainly has a reputation as one. A high percentage of jobs here are. What really sparked Austin into becoming a tech city? Because I still remember years where I never thought of it as a tech city. I thought of it as a music town and a slacker town. So I moved here in February of 89. And there was, uh, my stats not, may not be exactly right, but it was about half a million people in this metropolitan area. Uh, today, there's about a million, two million metropolitan-wise. So it was a small town, and it was not known as a tech town as far as I knew. Uh, you know, Dell was here, but it was a small company. It was less than a 1,000 people. As I found out more about uh, the tech scene, though, I found out that there was actually quite a bit here before Dell. But it really only started in the 60s, and that was because IBM and TI and Tracor and a number of other companies took a, a shot at, on Austin. And uh, as you move forward into the 70s and 80s, uh, because I'm a part of the University of Texas, I've learned a lot about the history of UT and entrepreneurship at UT. And there's this gentleman that is, is probably not given enough credit. His name is George Kosmetsky who was the, uh, he had his own company called Teledyne, became a very uh, 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 successful entrepreneur and came to the University of Texas as the dean of the business school. And he created this thing in 1977 called IC Squared, Innovation, Creativity, and Capital. And if you think about that back in the 70s, that was pretty visionary. Mm -hmm. And as part of IC Squared, and IC Squared is a think and do tank. And it was, let's think about some problems and do something about that. And as part of that, they created the Austin Technology Incubator. Because his philosophy was, okay, now we've got companies like TI and IBM and some big heavyweights that 
would be great for them to grow in Austin, but we need to grow from the bottom up as well. So let's help entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs that are coming out of the University of Texas, but also entrepreneurs that are in Central Texas. Let's help them get to uh, success faster than they can on their own. And that was really the original idea around ATI. And it's actually still the same idea. It's just that ATI existed as an entrepreneurial resource by itself in the city of Austin for, well, up until pretty much 2008, 2009, so almost 20 years, until folks like TechRanch and Capital Factory and Techstars and 25 other accelerators that now exist here. We can talk about that later. Uh, but, uh, but the other two things that happened and were very important were uh, two public-private partnerships, actually three, uh, two bigger than the, than the third. One was MCC, Microcomputer, Ele Microcomputer Electronics Corporation, which was started by Admiral Bobby Inman, he was the CEO, and that was a, a coalition of software companies that got together and helped create the software business in Austin. That was in the early 80s. And in the late 80s, uh, it was an organization called Semitech, which did the same thing around the semiconductor business. And then in the 90s, excuse me, it was in the uh, 2000s, it was Pecan Street, which actually was also a public-private partnership money that came out of the Department of Energy that helped create or build the clean tech ecosystem that's here. So those three PPPs helped build that and the success of IBM and Motorola and Tracor and Tivoli and, and uh, Trilogy and Dell uh, created success. And sex, success breeds success. So a lot of people, of course, that I know that worked at Dell, including myself, left Dell and started other businesses. And that's how other businesses Grew. And there is a chart somewhere here in Austin that shows all the different um, webs that were weaved, uh, you know, that, that come from all these other companies. It's a, it's a heck of a chart. So every city now has tech companies, but not every city could replicate the same formula that, that Austin used. You mentioned a couple in particular of major public-private partnerships that really spawned some things. And certainly there's some things that are unique to the environment here, but what are the lessons, the general themes, if you went to any other city that really wanted to be a tech city, from what you've seen here in Austin, what would you recommend to them? What are the sort of the pillars that you would say, you do these things and this will help you build an effective tech sector? So it's, it's interesting you say that because we are actually doing that at IC Squared. We have a program right now to look at rural towns in, the, in America that want to diversify and actually outside of the United States as well. To, because we get a lot of delegations here, a lot of delegations from other cities in the country and outside this country that come to Austin and say, how did Austin become Austin? And they try to take those things back and, and implement some of those things. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But every city is different. And uh, so I'll give you a great example. We are doing a, a, a project with uh, Northwest Arkansas. So Fayetteville, Bentonville, University of Arkansas. There's three major companies in that area. Uh, Walmart, of course. Uh, J.B. Hunt, big trucking company, and Tyson Foods. So you go to, to, to Northwest Arkansas, and those are the assets, plus the University of Arkansas. So these folks really wanted to build a startup community. So what do you start with? You start with these three big companies because they've got money and people. They want to innovate themselves internally. In fact, Walmart now has an innovation center here in Austin right, yeah. because they wanted to get out of Bentonville and innovate within their company and take it back to Bentonville. But J.B. Hunt, Tyson Foods, they've been around for a long time. Uh, J.B. Hunt is actually now competing with Uber. And so they have to figure out what to do in terms of their own old 
uh, scale uh, company. But then when they combine that with uh, other assets like the University of Arkansas that is starting an entrepreneurship program through their business school, they have come to us and said, what are the assets that we, we have these assets? What are the programs that we need to implement to make Northwest Arkansas, not in Austin, but to build a diversified right. com- community? And I know, again, going back to the late 80s, when I moved here, there was the University of Texas. So at that time, 30 some thousand students and faculty and what have you, and the capital of Texas. So you had a lot of lawyers and lobbyists. And then you had a few tech companies. That was what was here. And and so the these assets like IBM and TI and, and other things were then built upon to then create and IC squared and ATI were built upon to then create a startup community where folks who did well started other companies that then created not just other other companies, but created other opportunities like South by Southwest. I mean, how South by Southwest was a music Ven- uh, not venue, but uh, 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 conference. And now what is South by Southwest? It is more of a tech and startup conference than it is a music conference. I, I think that's a great point. The first year I moved to Austin the first time was 1987. It was the first year of South by Southwest. I was coming here to do astronomy on supercomputers, which was a very rare thing at that time. And it's still a small scale thing in astronomy. But I heard about the South by Southwest Music Fest. Now it's my religious week every year, but for the tech part of it, not for the music part of it anymore. So. Well, so I, I, let's talk a little bit about the startup community here in Austin, because um, we've clearly always been a tech entrepreneurial community, but Capital Factory was launched a few years ago, um, and, and, and it has sort of exponentially just exploded the enthusiasm for the the tech and startup scene. And Capital Factory is now taking that enthusiasm out to Houston and to Dallas by partnering with organizations there. And when you look at tech regions and tech regional powerhouses like Seattle and like, quite frankly, the entire state of California, um, how do we look at Austin, which is largely a small to mid-sized enterprise town? You know, we've had a few big players like Dell, um, but generally our companies get to a certain level and then they're acquired. Um, and then moved. And, and then moved, <laughs> right. And, and, and having headquarters in Austin, having headquarters of size in the state are really important to the economy. How do we think about what Austin's enthusiasm for the startup scene, um, the university environment we have in the state, and um, and the things that we need to do to grow businesses to size, and using Austin as the hub to create Texas as an incredibly important tech region that is on par with what we see in the Bay Area and Silicon Valley. I think a lot of things have happened in the 90s and 2000s, especially now. First of all, we have a lot of Californians moving here. So a lot of those tech folks who did pretty well in whether it was Southern California, Northern California, uh, decided to move. I've decided to move to Texas. And in many cases, Austin, Texas. (laughs) You're one of those. Guilty. Because it's more affordable, although Austin is less affordable than Dallas and Houston, but much more affordable than California. Um, and then, you know, and then why do, why, why, why do we have Google and Facebook and Oracle and every other big high tech company that they're not headquartered here, but they have offices here. And in the case of Apple, 7,000 people, that's about to grow to 12 or 14,000 people. Why? 
because because of this talent base. So I don't know if this is an actual fact, but I've heard this, that if, if we draw a circle around where we are today, 150 mile radius, there's more students that are graduating from colleges than any other place in the country. So if, it's not, if, we're, if we're not first, we're second or third. So, and, and why is that? You would think Boston or, or somewhere in California was, was that case. The reason that's probably true is because the University of Texas now has 52,000 students. A&M has now 62,000 students. Uh, Texas State is almost up to 40,000 students. And you throw in Rice and University of Houston and St. Ed's and everything else. The talent base here is amazing. And there's jobs. And when somebody graduates from the University of Texas... We're not a college town anymore. We are a, a tech hub, and kids want to stay here, not only because there's jobs. We now have a, what, less than 3% jobless rate, but uh, it's a cool town. So there's so many uh, positive things. There's negative things, too, and, they, and we can talk about those things. There's negative things about the growth and, and things that we've had, but there's so many positive things that, you know, I, again, I don't know ex- exactly the fact here, but we are a fairly young town. You know, the average age is probably in the what mid early to mid 30s uh that helps in terms of longevity and and hipness and coolness of a, of a town if you will and uh um versus the three people that are sitting here uh, <laughs> yeah i was doing the math there, thinking how long has it been, it's been yeah. um but you add in acl and south by southwest and all the cool things that are here it's a great place to live so there there are negatives uh, but um how do you how do you then convert that to other towns like like Houston and Dallas, which I think right. is really interesting because Houston and Dallas, these are Fortune 500 cities. They have right. huge headquarters of of great companies, and they have been trying to get their startup communities off the ground for a long time. And I think it's it's finally starting to happen because there's people who have finally decided uh, that uh, we can take these assets. We have lots of assets in Dallas. Let's go build this startup community. They don't need the diversification as much as we did, but they but they see the success of Austin and they want to to duplicate that in some form or fashion. San Antonio is actually a great example of this because San Antonio actually they have more Fortune 500 companies than we have here, and they, of course they've got a huge military presence. And now because of the success of Rackspace and a few other really cool companies, they have started a, a pretty good. Uh, um, startup community. And and the cool thing about all this, I think, is that, uh, and I think this goes for most of us, is that we want to see success in San Antonio, Dallas, and Houston. We've been trying to find partners in in these cities, El Paso, uh, Lubbock. You know, it's not just the big cities uh, because we want to see the success grow throughout Texas and, and truly not just Texas. We are doing work in Oklahoma, Arkansas, Louisiana as well, to build this in the South Central we region. Austin we being the Austin Technology Incubator. Um, because we see this as a, if, if other cities and states are successful, it'll bring more success uh, to what we're doing here. Well, I think that's interesting, talking about Austin as sort of being a spiritual leader for tech growth in Texas. Because Austin's GDP is so much smaller than, you know, Houston's is what, 470 billion, Dallas's is 535 billion, and Austin's is 141 billion. And tech makes up about one quarter of that. Um, but we're still, you know, we're still so very small in comparison to, in fact, we're small in comparison to Denver and to Portland, mm. which we don't even normally think of as mm. competitors. So, 
I, I wouldn't have thought that, but I, that's, that's interesting. It's it, it it's fascinating to me that Austin, which of course you know we're the state capital, um, and University of Texas is here, um, but I find it so interesting that we're sort of the spiritual leader, and I'm wondering how we're working with other cities. Um, Houston and Dallas have, and San Antonio, as you mentioned, have the the advantage of having Fortune 500 companies. Um, what can Austin learn from them as we take our startup enthusiasm and grow those companies into tech powerhouses? Because while it's wonderful to have the Googles and the Apples here, you also want the strategic leadership of the entity headquartered in Austin because that brings something different. I think that's a big challenge we have. When you see Whole Foods being gobbled up by Amazon or HomeAway, which is now called Verbo, uh, not VRBO, Verbo. Not Verbo. I'm not VRBO, uh, right? Verbo. They said uh, being they're... gobbled up by Expedia. Um, yeah, that's a big challenge we have. Yeah. It, it really is. I mean, we have we have uh, Dell and and uh, NI and um, uh, you know Bizarre Voice and and uh, you know some of these others that are you know nowhere near the size of some of the Fortune 1000 companies that are in Houston and Dallas. So I think it's a big that's a big challenge we have. Um, I don't know the answer to that. I mean, I think that. You know, because the the exit on some of these things, you know, we are a startup community. Mm-hmm. So most entrepreneurs, many entrepreneurs, start their companies knowing that they're going to exit. That that's a that's a um, a, a, a goal. Well, let me ask a question: Is it even important that we make that transition? And I'm not, I'm not saying that it's not, but um, I've long posited that one of the reasons for our great growth in this startup space is we our foundation, our history has been as a creative, fun place to be. And when I first moved back here in 2001, I'd been living in Alaska and then San Diego and had an offer to come back and work at UT. I remember one of the things that I did was I, I counted the number of live music clubs in the Austin Chronicle <laughs> listing to make sure my town hadn't gone to into the crapper while I was gone during that dot-com bubble and everything. And I noticed there were more live music clubs listed on that page than when I had left several years earlier. And so I, I moved back and I went out and I sort of observed for the first year, how are techies embracing this Austin culture? And they seemed to be out in it and enjoying it and at live music clubs. And yeah, you would hear some kind of bizarre conversations like, well, I had to recompile the source code for such and such <laughs> at the guy having beer next to you. But but I consider that a good thing, a nice, wacky, wonderful thing. And I, I wonder if maybe our DNA is such that we will always be a better startup town in terms of creating as opposed to a Fortune 500 company kind of town. And I, I don't know that that's a good thing or a bad thing. I'm just, I'm asking you to. Well, I want to add something to that before we let Mitch answer that. So tech commercialization, um, tech transfer from the university system into commercial enterprise is not something we do particularly well mm-hmm. in this state. No. Um, it is something that is done exquisitely well in the state of California. And I think that we are missing a huge opportunity given, really, I mean, if you think about the university system we have in this state, both public and private, I mean, we have some of the best schools in the country that produce some of the best engineers in the country. And do you think that the challenges we have around tech commercialization 
have something to do with not having the adequate landing space in commercial enterprise and that that's fueled by companies being largely small to mid-sized enterprise and not having the resources that big companies do to to intake and productize um, tech coming out of the university system. So this podcast is, is how long? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a, it's, a, it's a big discussion. Uh, I'll try to shorten my answer by saying uh, you're right. We do not do tech commercialization very well in the state of Texas. I'm a part of that system. You know, the Austin Technology Incubator, our goal is to work within the university to work with the engineering school and the business school and to find startups that we can uh, uh, commercialize. That all falls under the vice president of research who I work for. Uh, the emphasis, though, has not been on commercialization. It's been on research and development and Little by little, we are doing that, and they've ha- they've actually had some pretty big successes. I actually think that the the entrance to Dell Med now at, at in Austin is going to help a lot. They've got an innovation center there. We work with them as well, so I think you're going to see more in the in the biotech and med tech space uh, uh, a lot more. Uh, when you say all of Cal- California, that may be true. I look at uh, successful universities named MIT and Stanford. Mm. They're private universities. It makes a big difference in terms of a private and public. So you know, we just we um, we uh, report to, to 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 different masters, if you will. So there's a there is a big difference in that. I think public universities are really trying to get a handle on this. I actually went to visit my alma mater, the University of Florida, uh, about two months ago to see what they were doing around this. They're doing. Uh, I found out that they actually. They have more money. They've got $900 million uh, of money coming in, research dollars from places like DOD, DOE, et cetera, NSF. Uh, the University of Texas at Austin has $700 million, still a, quite a bit of money. But um, uh, the Gator Nation has, I think, done a very good job at uh, putting everything under one umbrella and everybody rowing in the same direction. And I think we're trying to start to do that at the University of Texas at Austin. I can only talk for UT Austin. I am part of the UT system as well. Uh, there's a woman uh, at the University of Texas system. Her name is uh, Julie Goodwardine. Julie is amazing. She's the chief innovation officer. It is her responsibility, and she's working very hard to to do exactly what we're talking about: is to is to create a a, a better platform in terms of more commercialization coming out. We have a small fund called the Horizon Fund. We have 14 different campuses in the University of Texas. It's a 50 million dollar fund. It doesn't go very far. So some people much higher in, in, in rank than I am, Board of Regents and others have to make some decisions around, is this important? Are we going to put our money where our mouth is? The state of Texas, by the way, under, under uh, Governor Rick Perry years ago, had this program called the um, Emerging, Te- uh, uh, Emerging Tech Fund, which was a $200 million fund, which was an investment in the, from the state of Texas into early stage technology companies. It was a huge benefit to organizations like the Austin Technology Incubator and our clients because it was a fund that the state of Texas was investing in. That no longer exists. And there are other states that actually still have those types of things, Ohio, Nevada, et cetera, that um, feel that that's part of their growth. Now, you know, the city of Austin, by the way, we used to have all kinds of economic incentives to bring companies like Apple and others here. That is no longer as important because... The city council have decided, and I actually happen to agree, that we don't need to incent any more companies like Apple to come here. Um, I'm actually kind of glad that Amazon didn't come here uh, because, 
well, we can go into that as well. Well, come here uh, with their HQ, too. With their HQ, They're too. certainly here yeah, in yeah, force, yeah. Yeah, good, good, good catch. We have plenty of Amazon here. Um, uh, but uh, we have to decide where our priorities are. In the city of Austin, our priorities are no longer economic development. It's still very important. We've got a clean tech uh, economy. We've got a, a biotech economy. And we have this large tech economy. Uh, what else do we have and what else do we build on? But we've got problems. We've got traffic problems. We've got affordability issues. We've got uh, inclusion and diversity issues. And so the city council, rightfully so, has turned their attention to some of these areas versus putting money into economic development. That's, that's a great segue because my next question for you was going to be, what are the lessons we learned in this rapid growth of our tech sector? And it, it has changed the nature of our city in some ways, um, for good and for bad, and it's created some problems as well as some benefits. And you just hit on a couple of them. I think almost every Austinite, if you polled people, probably the biggest thing that would come back would be mobility and traffic. Arguably the most important challenge, however, is affordability because so many people are really negatively impacted by that. So what do you think has been the tech sector's role in creating some of these challenges along with the benefits? And how do you see us moving past this going forward, maintaining this strong tech economy, but addressing some of those issues at the same time? I think we have to become very creative. So one of the things, uh, and I'm not an expert on this area, but uh, one of the things I know that the city does when a big development goes up, a, a sky, a, 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 you know, 40 uh, story building, they make a deal with the city that they're going to uh, build affordable housing. Uh, a percentage of their um, uh, uh, dollars go into affordable housing and or green space or parks or things like that. Uh, I think we could get more creative in terms of what we do around the tech community as well. Apple being, b- builds a, bra- a big uh, uh, space. Let's uh, maybe that maybe that's going on. I, I'm not exactly sure, but but those are some of those ideas that we can take some of the success, kind of like what I was talking about success before in in much smaller areas. Success breeds success, and we all need to share in the in the in the success and then the pain, and then how do you fix that pain? And we're, you know, and so there's, we're, we're, as a city, we're probably much better off than many cities in terms of our lower uh, people who who are in poverty and what have you. But we still have a a Mm -hmm. huge problem. You know, East Austin uh, has become, you know, East of 35 has become this cool, hip, area with new restaurants and coffee shops and which we like but a lot of those people's that people that were living there have now had to move out and gone even further east of that or have needed to move out of this area which is not a good thing so we are not a very diversified city we have a fairly large hispanic population we do not have a a, a large african-american population at all and that's not a good thing uh, in my opinion I, i think we and because uh, and, that's not, and, and there's poor white population that can't live here either. So it's not just, it's not just uh, other ethnicities. So I think we have to get creative with success, whether it's you know, tall buildings or, or uh, big companies that have done things. And by the way, you know, a company that I used to work for, Dell, Dell used to be the worst in terms of uh, caring about, uh, and I think Michael would actually agree with this, that, uh, caring about anything else that goes on except for what's happening at Dell. But with their success and with some marketing pressure as well, they've had to do things around being much more environmentally friendly. So they're they're rated now as one of the, the top companies in terms of uh, sustainability and 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 doing things around their hardware and their styrofoam and their you know their packaging and things like that. And they have done an HEB and some of these other companies. I mean, this community is a very giving community. It is in terms of of of, of money going into different charities and other uh, and other things. 
is, is just not enough. And so we just need to continue to do more of that. I want to sort of tease more on the idea of um, diversity and inclusion. So I've had the good fortune of living in some of um, some of what I think are the coolest cities in the country. Um, Seattle, Portland, Los Angeles, Denver, and now Austin. And Should we ask you which is best? Oh, I think Austin is best. <laughs> um, you know, Austin is my ride or die. <laughs> um, but I do know, having worked in tech and having worked in very large tech companies um, for more than 25 years, um, that um, I believe that that techies are incredibly creative people. I often say that the difference between, you know, artists and musicians and engineers is that artists paint with paintbrushes, musicians paint with notes, and technologists paint with ones and zeros. And I think that having that culturally rich community, a diverse community, is super important to innovation. Um, because we know that when you have homogeneity, you come up with less creative responses and solutions than when you have, um, when you have, you know, a diverse and richly different set of experiences to, to be part of. And, you know, when I think about specific populations in the city of Austin, perhaps the most diverse and the most equal population anywhere is the University of Texas, where you have... Students having, certainly coming from different economic and cultural backgrounds, but having access to the same set of experiences. So the opportunity for the university system to act as the great equalizer in, in, in a way that no one else, no other organization possibly can, and then help, you know, train, develop, retain that diversity and export it to the technology community. I'd like to hear how you think we can do a better job of that because tech itself has a diversity problem. It has a gender mm-hmm, problem. Mm-hmm. It has a diversity problem. And and it certainly doesn't have a South Asian diversity problem mm-hmm. or a an Asian diversity problem. It has a, a, a black and Hispanic yep. diversity problem. Yep. So how how in the city of Austin where more than any other community that I have lived in where we so value the richness and so miss the diversity um, that that we believe we should have. How does the university system help make sure that Austin is the model for diversity in tech? That's a, that's a great question and a great problem. Uh, I know that so the other organization that I run, uh, besides the Austin Technology Incubator, is an, is an organization on a campus called Blackstone Launchpad. So Blackstone big private equity company, has funded these Blackstone launch pads across 19 different universities in, 19, uh, in the United States. One of the things that we are doing, and, and uh, it's a resource for entrepreneurship on campus for students, uh, plainly, uh, and, and it's across the entire campus. So one of the goals that we have is to touch as many students as we can, but to focus in on women and students of color. So we have done a number of things around workshops and uh, pitch competitions and programs. And so out, out, outside of the University of Texas, you know, Preston James does a great job with Div Inc. But, you know, and, and, but it's a very small, you know, he can only affect so many people right. with Div Inc. And of course, we've got Bunker Labs, which is, which is veterans, which is also another uh, group that needs attention. Uh, so I think we have small areas of success with these things. We just need to do more of that, um, both inside the university and outside the university. And one of the things we're doing with with uh, 
with Preston actually is to try to bring, and uh, of course, we're all nonprofits, so we got to raise money to go do this, but uh, we want to bring a Div Inc. into uh, the University of Texas. Uh, so we're, we're doing that already, but by, by bringing in Preston and his group, uh, we can professionalize it more, if you will, uh, and it will and, and, and give it a name. Um, uh, the University of Texas has, has um, hired a number of people in the inclusion and diversity organization, Leonard Moore, Dr. Leonard Moore, and I don't know if you know, if you know Ruben Cantu. Ruben has come in, well, yeah. and he's starting some wonderful programs around just this area and just this issue. So we're working with Ruben as well to do some other things on campus. So there is a lot of focus. Uh, Jan Ryan and, and um, Doreen Lorenzo in the uh, uh, in fine arts is, are doing things around design thinking, and Jan is very focused on women entrepreneurs, incredibly focused across the campus, not just fine arts. Mm-hmm. But to your point, they are in the School of Fine Arts because that's where a lot of creativity lives, and and that's why they are. That's why they took the the design thinking program there, but to expand out to the rest of the campus. So there are a lot of things that are happening around these things. It's just never enough. And so, but if if we continue to talk about it and focus on it, and other people have other ideas that want they want to bring into my shop or any of these other programs, I think we're we're very eager to listen. Okay. Well, we've covered a lot of ground here, and we talked about how Austin has. It wasn't an overnight success story, but it's been a long and, and very steep ramp as a tech city, um, starting, I guess, with the first presence you said in the 1960s, but really taking off maybe more in the 80s and 90s. And we certainly have gotten to a, an impressive place now as a, as a tech city. There were a lot of factors in this, some of which you said you're helping other communities understand, a few of which may have been unique to Austin, and every city is going to have to embrace what's unique about it, as well as learn lessons from other cities. So that's a lot about the past and the present. So let's close on on what's next. Um, we've sort of hinted at it. We've recognized that this great success has led to some challenges. We've recognized this great success is not a complete and total success. It hasn't solved some of the diversity issues. It hasn't produced a lot of Fortune 500 companies. Um, but it's overall, without a doubt, a success in terms of employment, opportunity, economic productivity, and such with much room left to solve things, but also new opportunities to explore. So I'd like to close on that positive note. What is the, what's next for Austin in addition to increasing our focus on diversity and increasing our focus on tech commercialization and getting it out there and increasing our focus on enabling some of our small and mid-sized companies to grow to larger, more influential companies? What, what tech directions and, and, and initiatives do you see coming down the road? So let me start out, and this could have been before we actually got on air here, that, that uh, Barbara said something about we are, we're probably not as great as we think we are or as big as we think we are. You know, um, I used to kid with uh, our former mayor, Lee Leffingwell, about the fact that we call ourselves the live music capital of the world. And when you get off of, the, of a plane, one of the first things you see when you come into Austin is, Austin, Texas, live music capital of the world. Are we really the live music capital of the world? Probably not. Nashville, a few other people probably claim that as well. But we have, you know, that's a, it's a great marketing tool. It's a great slogan. Are we really the high-tech city that we are? We are, but are we as great as we think we are? We probably, you know, drink some of our own Kool-Aid. So I think there's a lot of growth just in our own community to be better than we are. I think we are lucky to be located where we are geographically. I think there's a, 
priority for venture capital and other groups that want to that have been in Boston and New York and on the East Coast and the success in Silicon Valley and California. And you know they used to call the Midwest and, and Texas and Chicago the flyover uh, states. There's less flying over that's happening because they, a lot of VCs and other people see a lot of opportunity from you know the from the border of Canada down to the border of Mexico and in in the Midwest. So there's a lot happening now in Minneapolis and St. Louis and Kansas City and Chicago and Austin. And, but we're lucky because we do have this reputation. So a lot of organizations, companies have decided that. Austin's a great place to open an innovation center. So Walmart, we talked about Walmart. They put an innovation center. Oracle put their innovation center here. The Army Future Command has put their innovation center here. All of a sudden, we're a military town because we have uh, a DIU, the, the Defense Innovation Unit, AFWorks, the Air Force Innovation Center, and now the Army Futures Command because they felt, and I have to agree with them, that this is a great place for them to be, to be out of the Pentagon and to be out of these other, or Bentonville, Arkansas, or wherever, wherever these companies are, and come to a town that not only has a, a probably a bigger reputation than we really deserve, but one that uh, uh, can grow into uh, some amazing technologies because entrepreneurs can now think about potential technologies around the Army, whether it's weapons or whether it's en new energy solutions for bases. Uh, that is what we're thinking about. And it's not just Austin. It's the state of Texas that the Army chose, but they happen to be in Austin. Geographically, we're centered that way, what have you. But there's a lot of groups that have decided to put different uh, innovation centers in Boston, Silicon Valley, Austin. These three cities get uh, joined together in many ways, and we're the bottom of the of the list probably in terms of size, venture capital money. Um, look, how many unicorns have we really had out of Austin, Texas? Not many. You know, very far fewer than East Coast, West Coast. But I think that's starting to happen based on maybe a reputation that we're growing into. Uh, so I think that's what's happening. Technology-wise, look, I think we've become a hub of um, AI. I think we, we're starting to become a, a hub for blockchain. Um, uh, VR, AR, that, that kind of thing is starting to really uh, uh, you know, accumulate as far as number of companies and the amount of effort that's going into this in terms of number of people that are in it, uh, the success that they've had, they've had, and venture capital money that's going into these kind of things. Great. Well, that's a great summary of where we might be going next, where we are and where we might be going next. Barbara, do you have any last thoughts today? I, I think, you know, I agree violently with everything Mitch just said. I do think that we punch above our weight class from a marketing value proposition. But I think that we have the ingredients needed um, from an enthusiasm standpoint, from a culture standpoint, particularly from an education standpoint, mm -hmm. um, to, to, to actually meet the expectations and exceed expectations. Uh, I think that one of the unique things about Austin is this heart of the community and the way people interact here um, in tech and outside of tech. And it is, it is markedly different from anywhere else I've ever lived. And everybody, you know, and everywhere I've lived has had nice people. Um, Austin and Texans, um, but Austin, Austinites in particular, are wired differently for collaborative cooperation. And I think that that puts us in a unique opportunity, not only to begin to grow some of those 
unicorns and Fortune 500 companies as people begin to think about, gee, how can I take advantage of, you know, the, the military opportunity being here, other opportunities being here. But I also think that we have a unique opportunity to become the model for how you solve for diversity and inclusion in tech and that Austin can be the place where the standard expectation of having low numbers of women and low numbers of minorities in technology is, is, is defeated. Um, so. I'm, I'm I'm really glad. One, one last comment. I'm really glad that you brought that up because I I, I brag about Austin a lot in terms of our collaborative nature, mm-hmm. and people who do come here from California, especially from Silicon Valley, uh, that is the biggest thing that they that they bring up. And you know they love living here. It's a great place to live, et cetera, et cetera. But in terms of okay, how do I? I just moved here from from uh, uh, you know, San Francisco, and I don't know anybody, but I came here because I heard it's a great town or whatever research they did. But it's so easy to call Barbary or Jay or Mitch and, and say, hey. And what would be a good event for them to go to, Mitch, to meet other people in other tech you areas? You might be talking about the Austin <laughs> Forum. Is that, the, is that what you're Yeah, doing? I was waiting for one of you two to mention it because <laughs> I hear that so much at Austin Forum networking events afterwards. People say it's a great, This people here are so friendly, just what Barbary said. Yes. They're so friendly. They're so willing to share their expertise. And that, that's, of course, what we try to do at our in-person events is bring experts in one area together with experts in other areas that and they may be novices in each other's areas, but they're so friendly and collaborative. They meet, they exchange business cards, collaborations happen, partnerships happen, customer seller relationships happen. It's, it's, it, I really see that, that collaborative, friendly, downright friendly tech atmosphere here mm-hmm. more than I've seen other places. I think when you mentioned South by Southwest, I mean, they've tried to do things very similar to that in other cities and they've largely failed. Um, well, this back might, South by Southwest tried to do that in other cities, and they're a great sponsor of ours, and I'm really glad they're successful here in Absolutely. Austin, and they're an inspiration for the Austin yes. Forum, and, and so I, I think we have some unique things that just demonstrate this culture, Barbary, that you mentioned, and I think that's really part of our, our strength. Great. Well, thank you uh, very much, Mitch, for joining Barbary and I today. We really had a great conversation. Look forward to seeing you at future Austin Forum events. Uh, hopefully, have some more uh, podcast time with you in the future and uh, look forward to future discussions. Cool. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Austin Forum Upload. You can listen to additional episodes and check out a schedule of our monthly in-person events at austinforum.org. The Upload is a production of the Austin Forum on Technology and Society, a nonprofit organization here in Austin, Texas.